Welcome back to the Red Dice Diaries. I'm your host, John, and today we're going to be continuing our conversation with Matthew and Johannes, and we're going to be talking about authorial intent and one of the potential benefits of system mastery of a game. And we'll get to that straight after the music. When I'm a player in a game, like you can not, you can sort of pick up on like when a gem feels like invested in a system. So it's like I've played in a few um, 3.0 D and D games that Rob's run, mm. and if I'm running D and D, like to be honest, third edition is not mm-hmm. my edition of preference. Obviously, I'm not going to get into like, edition wars. You know, play what no. you want. That, that's all. I mean, it's a choice as much yeah. as anything else. There's, edition wars are stupid. Yeah, like, <laughs> the waste of time. Whatever edition you're playing, <laughs> if you're enjoying it, fine. Crack yeah. on. Like I say, third edition, not my favourite one. But when when Rob's like, I'm going to run a game, and you see him getting like enthused about it because he loves yep. the system and it's what he feels comfortable with, that enthusiasm like rubs off on the players. So like when, when yep. you were when you're talking about us running Burning Wheel, I'm like, all right, I can tell like Johannes is really like invested in this game. <laughs> he really like loves the game. You can tell he's like he's comfortable with running it. So you're like, right, we're going to have a good time in this game because like the the GM's going to be having a good time. Whereas if you get someone in the lab, um. I'm not, I'm not really sure about this rule system. Uh, we'll, we'll give it a try. We'll see how we get on. It, it it doesn't have the same feeling, if you know what I mean, as a player. If like the GM doesn't seem sure about the game, it it's more difficult for you as a player. I think, well, for me personally, to like buy into it. Whereas if the GM's like, right, I've got this great system. Right, let's get together. Let's sort out what we're going to run for a game. Yeah, I love this game. It's great. Then that energy sort of tends to like feed into like the players, yeah. and you start getting like hyped up for yourself. So like. When you when you have sort of like, all right, we're going to run another stars without a number game, but this time we're going to go to like Codex of the Black Sun because you guys seem to like like that mm-hmm. area of magic. We're going to get involved in that. There's going to be like spells, and there's going to be this, and we're going to go into a new area of space. By the time you finished talking about it, I was like, great, let's get into that space and like cast some spells. Yeah, full speed ahead. Yeah. Whereas <laughs> if, I think if you'd the thing wrong, I'm sure we'd still had a good game. But if you'd have come to it and you were like, yeah, I love stars without a number. Not not really sure about this like magic book though but you know we'll give it a try see how it goes mm-hmm. i don't think I, i'm sure i still enjoyed the game but i wouldn't have been like as hyped up like before the game started yep. whereas by the time we got to like the first actual session of it i was like oh my god i'm playing like a i'm playing like an off-brand jedi mm-hmm. and matthew's playing like a demon hunter and we're like battlestar galactica in this like shit all over the place let's go yeah let's go <laughs> i think that's a yeah. that's a good sort of as we're talking about the games that we run um obviously there's a like many ingredients that go into like why you would run something and why people would enjoy it but i do think uh like as john has just established and i'm just riffing on it with different words it is a massive multiplier if um the person running the game sort of organizing the game in these traditional frameworks where a person is responsible for most of the uh world content um playing at the world as it were uh, it's, if they are enthused, it, it will just carry a very long distance with the enjoyment of other people in there as well. Because it's just, you know, I, not not that I don't I, I I don't think I've ever seen this or heard about this, but I don't think uh, it would be very um, I don't know sort of inspiring if you went to okay we're setting up a new game and the person who's been uh selected for 
running the game. This is, they're like, oh, well, I guess if you guys want to do well, OSR stuff, I guess I could I could pull it out. If that's like, what you want, <laughs> like, well, like what? Was, yeah. Should we should we play board games instead, yeah. my dude? Like what? What's going on? Whereas my experience is very much like what we've been talking about here, where someone's like, guys. I got this book, right? And then it's just like full on, try like, it. you know, um, Dragon Force guitar solo from then on. Yeah, I mean, I, I've heard you, Matthew, talk about like your love of Delta Green. I actually love it. And yeah, it's like, it's I've never played Delta Green, but like, if you, if you were, if you were to turn around tomorrow and be like, right, guys, I've, I've got, I've got some free time. I'm thinking about running. Like, well, I got Del- ideas, John. You're like, I'm thinking about ideas. running a Delta Green game. Are you in? I'll be like, yes. I've heard Matthew talk about this. It sounds cool as shit. Let's mm-hmm. like get on it and do it. Whereas you if you want... if you were just like, oh, I've picked up this game from a convention, it's all right. We could give it a go if you want. I'd probably I'd probably still give it a go because obviously I've gamed with you guys before, but mm-hmm. I wouldn't have that initial sort of like build up and that excitement. And I mean, I know for me to, to go back to talking about switching rules for my recent game, I had to like think quite long and hard about that because yeah. I, effectively I was like feeling a bit guilty and being like, oh. I've sort of like, I've sold the players. I'm like, we're going to be playing this game. And like, like three it. sessions in, I'm like, guys, I'm I'm kind of like struggling with this rule set. I'd like to shift to something a bit, a, a bit more straightforward that I can run a bit easier. And I, I had no doubt that my players were going to be like, because I know the people we're playing with, I had no doubt they were going to be like, yeah, we'll give it a shot. That's great. But, but the same token, I had, which eventually persuaded me, I had to also think, right, if I'm not enjoying this rule set, and I'm, it's fairly obvious when I'm not enjoying something. I was like, if I just carry on trying to trying to run the game with a system I'm not enjoying, it's going to be pretty obvious that, that is the case to the players. And you know, if you're because they say, as we've said, running a game, preparing for a game, is effort. It's work. You have to you put in however many hours or whatever you put into creating the game. And if you're not really loving it and you're not enjoying it it becomes that much harder to put that effort in and to make that time to do the prep to like get your your maps ready and your tokens and whatever else you need to get ready and prep your game sessions where so for me i was like right do i want to carry on running the game and again see these like diminishing returns where like my interest is slowly tapering off until eventually worst case scenario the game sort of fizzles out and we start running something else or the players start getting bored with it, and then they're like, oh, can we try something a bit different? Or do I just go, right, make, make a clean break, we'll switch to a different game system, we'll see how that goes, see if that can like, get the enthusiasm back and we can get a better game as a result. And obviously, that's what I went with. Yeah. And I, I think, uh, for me personally, uh, yeah, I would have wanted to play World of the Number, sure. Um Never uh, even really heard of Easy D6. Uh, I knew that it existed, but not so much about what it was. Um, So cool to try that out. Um, The underlying thing to all things RPG, though, uh, in my opinion, is like you're you're doing this to have fun. Like everything else is is absolutely going to the chopping block. Like it's (laughs) it's. Is a waste of time again. Um, I, I think it's very necessary, at least for me, to be very sort of, uh, I suppose, cutthroat about it uh, in the way that 
or cutthroat is maybe a little bit too negatively charged, but sort of like ruthless uh, and and strict about the fact that if someone's not having fun, we need to change up because <laughs> that's yeah. the Absolutely. only reason yep. we're here to begin with. So have a good time uh, with each anything other. else. It, yeah. it has to go. And I, I do think as well, like when I was saying earlier, talking about being more willing to take risks with a new game potentially. I think even though we've not carried on running with worlds of that number, I've learnt a valuable lesson from trying that. So and think I'm wrong, I am gonna circle around to like running worlds of that number again. Mm-hmm. But I'll be like, right, okay, let's start off with like the basic classes, start off at the base level, and I'll get a couple of games without under my belt. And if that all goes great and I'm all fine with it, then maybe again at some point in the future I'll be like, right, now I'm now I'm gonna feel comfortable like trying all these heroic classes and stuff like that so again as i said earlier it's like a case of trying to run before i could walk whereas yeah. like i say no, no no shade on the game system and i am going to circle around to try and get again at some mm-hmm. point in the future but I, I got a bit carried away with like the excitement of like oh we could try all this new like whiz bang like cool extra stuff that you can bolt onto it without going like oh i've got like a solid grounding in the basic system first it's a learning yeah. experience for you yeah. and it, it is um like it's it's fine, right? Like people people try stuff all the time yeah, and they figure out, okay, um, not ideal or not right now, and then we do something else. And you just gotta be humble about it. I think uh, overall, it's just like anything in life, really. <laughs> yeah, I'm just talk agree. about it openly. Yeah, I was gonna mention like just before we move on to another point, like. It's, it's it's a very different scenario when you're learning a system called without any any like outside help. You're just yeah. learning a game to run it. You've not played in a game. You've not seen it played. You're just learning it yourself and trying to run a game. That's very different than having some experience playing another person's game and then sort of absorbing it piece by piece. It's yeah. it's a lot like it's a lot more difficult to do it in isolation, I think. But it can be done. Yeah, and I mean, without continuing harping on about it, with the whole like worlds of that number scenario. I, with that, I mis- mistakenly, as it turns out, went into it going like, right, I've played in a load of Yamasa Stars Light Number games. They use basically the same system, one's the sci-fi version, one's the fantasy version. So I was like, right, I know how the yeah. basic core system works, I know how the skill system works. Yeah. I- I'm good, I think. And But then when you think, all right, okay, so it's basically the D&D chassis, which I know fairly well. But then you're like, all right, okay, it's got a skill system, not not a difficult one. Not a ridiculous one. It's got like a nice, simple skill system bolted onto it. There's a few other bits and pieces that are sort of added onto it. And then when you think, oh, we've th- that'd be fine on its own, then you think, right, we've got the heroic classes, which is another bit bolted onto it. And then there's all sort of extra bits and pieces that come off that. And it was all just like a little bit too much to be taken on, like for my first game using that system. I've got. I've got another. Just before we get move on, I one more. But circle back to something because I wrote a little note to make sure I mentioned it. Is when you're talking about like, you know, trying to when the players come to you, you want to be able to answer their questions, and that's kind of a thing. It sounds pretentious to say, especially from me there. But like when you're the, when you're in the GM's chair, you feel like an ambassador to the hobby, but also to the game. You really want to sell the game that you like to the players and be like, this is what's cool about it, and I want to show you, and I want to have fun together. Yeah. So you have that pressure. I really need to understand everything. 
So when the players bring something into the game that you're not comfortable with, that can cause a few issues. Like you said, the the, the classes. Because I have an example of this as well. Because in my first few campaigns, I went, right, no multi-classing. No multi-classing, just play the character. Just straight classes in the DD games. And one of the players eventually came to me and be like, why, you know, it's in the books, why won't you let me multi-class? Like, what's the issue? Like, you let us use the feet, you let us use the magic, you give us, what is it about this? And I was trying to explain to them, I was like, look, if I switch that on, I can't just switch it on for one person. Everyone has to then be able to do it. And then two, I have to understand it better than anybody at the table because they're going to ask me the questions. And it's going to change how the game is structured because it then it completely changes the mechanics once somebody does it. It doesn't seem like a big change, but it is. And if you don't understand what you're doing with those mechanics, you'll find yourself either being vastly overpowered compared to everybody else if you know what you're doing, or just this kind of completely unwieldy mixture because the designers of the game have presented the classes in this kind of... Um, structure for you to follow yeah and if you go outside of that then the game's going to change for you and like you're choosing to do that but i'm trying to help you by saying okay once we all understand it then i'm going to let everyone do it that's I mean, kind of like one, one of the things i went back to when they asked me about it i think as well with without meaning to sound like too negative you have to sort of bear in mind like your own strengths and like weaknesses mm-hmm. when it comes to like picking up mm-hmm. a new system so just as a random example I've got like the three core books and a few other books for like Pathfinder First Edition because like, I like the artwork in them. There's some cool ideas in them, but, but I have never even tried to run that game because for me, there's so much stuff involved in it that I'm like, there is no way I would personally be able to like, absorb all that stuff to the point where I would feel comfortable running it as a games master. So I've taken little bits and pieces from it, a little bits of inspiration. Mm-hmm. And it's why I, it's why I like all the sort of D and D games because by and large you can take bits out of like one edition or whatever and you can drop a bit of tweaking you can drop it into another game that's great so I can I can take my old sort of D and D that I'm comfortable with and I can drop other bits and pieces from many other various games into it without too much trouble but I've not got to go to the effort of being like right okay I've got to I've got to read and digest and absorb and remember all everything in those like massive Pathfinder core books. And again, that's that's no shade on the game. I'm sure there's people out there who I well, know there's people out there who run it and enjoy oh, yeah. it. People who've absorbed it, they they've got it on lock. They know all of that. They're comfortable running it. But for me, I know I would struggle to absorb the amount of material in those books. Absolutely. And as I as I said before, like I want to show them the cool thing about the game. So if they come yeah. to me with a question, I want to have an answer for them. Be like, oh, why would I play this? Well, this is why, and this is what makes it great in the game, and this is why it's there. This is what you can do with it. I don't want to be like, well, let's uh, let's re- let's let's read. <laughs> I want to be able to tell them and like give them examples. Yeah, but I, I actually have when you're ready, I have a question for you too as well. Oh, go for it. I wanted to ask. Yeah, this is this is, this is the kind of thing that as you were talking, it came to me. I was like, when you're approaching a new campaign, do you have a method of putting that campaign together that you've um, come up with after your years of experience like little tips you've got from different books and different games you've sort of formulated a way that you like to run or do you run the game as the book is trying to get you to run it like do you look at the GM section of the book and be like okay I'm going to try and tailor my style to what the book is trying to go for because for me just before I, you guys answer is when I ran my three D&D games I ran them very differently to each other okay 
like the like the first game was all, was kind of like um I don't know if you guys know the video game but Dark Souls game so it's kind of like it's very centralized on the perspective of the players like it's all about them and how they connect to that world the the second game is a kind of like a spy drama espionage like it's like I ran it like a drama you know like them uncovering the, these mysteries and like getting recontextualizations of things they thought they understood okay. and like and then the kind of other game I ran an like, episodic game which is this one the game is on hiatus but this was like I'm running like kind of almost like um, like TV show kind of episodes where they don't exactly connect together but they can that makes sense so there was no yeah. there was no deliberate link to them but you could you could they were set in the same area so you could sort of draw like uh, a connection between them if you wanted to i mean i think to, that makes sense yeah i mean i think to answer your question from some of my perspective i have preferences for certain types of games so as i was saying earlier i, I like the sort of hex exploration like open world the stuff out there players go out and find the stuff and like do the cool thing that's my preference but i think when i look at a, a role system if it's got like a certain theme or a certain thing that that game does well then i do try and lean into it a little bit more so like when we when we run like tremulous one shots and stuff like that you know that like they all tend to lead to sort of like a climactic encounter with something from the mythos and you either like triumph or escape with your lives or you end up going mad and stuff like that happens and you lean into that because the game is very much based around that if i ever get around to running vesson that's very much based around the idea you're trying to restart this ancient like, monster hunting society and you're going out to try and like stop these like creatures of myth and legend from like interfering with the real world so i would lean into that but i think within the themes of games you get a lot of wiggle room so like for this you could just run it very episodic like here is today's mission you're going out to get x creature next session here is this mission we're going out to get that creature but you could also say that for D&D. You could be like, right, you all work for an adventurer's guild to use like an obvious example. Right, here, here is the mission you've been given. Here's the quest. Here's this, that, and the other. But with Vesson, you could also be like, right, okay, here's, here's your base. Here's the area you're in. Oh, it's being menaced by supernatural creatures. Go do what you do best and let the, the players lead it. And I prefer my games to be like that, where you sort of set up the setting and the sort of area and it might only just be like a little small area like in the in the game i'm running at the minute we've got like a tiny hex map with like a little town like frontier town um linked by a railroad to like the rest of civilization which is off the map to the west and then to the east we've got like weird sort of like haunted forests and like map, a couple of mountain ranges and stuff like that and we we came up with a bit of background and then it's like right players here is the area go explore do what you do and then we'll sort of play off with that, and as plot, as they discover things, plot will come up based on them. A widening we'll sort of, of the scope from that, yeah, exactly. And if we need to like expand the map, like they go off the eastern range of it, that's that's absolutely fine. So I think, in a roundabout way, like I say, I, I do have my preferences, and those preferences will be present in some sort of way, like I say, like the open world and the exploration part of it and stuff like that. But I will try and sort of lean that towards whatever the theme of the game I'm running is. So. Dungeons and Dragons, like an easy D6, which is like a sort of simplified version of Dungeons and Dragons, it's very much exploring, 
fighting monsters, fight, exploring dungeons, finding treasure. And it's very simplest. And there will be some of that in the game because I'm running that sort of game. But there'll also be other stuff in it. So like we've got... Um, they're exploring like a sort of crazy, sort of like haunted, sort of weird like fey forest to the east at the minute. But part of the reason they're exploring, and that's standard sort of D&D-ish style of sort of exploration. But the reason they're exploring that is because um, my friend Dave's character is like, all right, if we're settling in this frontier town, we need to have a means to support ourselves. And he's like, oh, we found out that like if you can hold a bit of land, because it's all sort of Wild West rules, if you hold a bit of land and you can police it, you can like make a legitimate claim to that land. And he's like, gone, oh, well, maybe we could start up like a vineyard and we could like make money to eventually funnel back into like reviving the war against the Church of Progress by like setting up this vineyard and setting up this business and we sort of make our way like that. And that's all stuff that's come up because of the players. And we'll lean into that and we'll see how that goes. But that's like an extra layer on top of the default assumptions that easily six and D D&D has. Don't know how you feel about Matthew's question, Janice. Uh Matthew, do you want do you want to give me the the straight dope again? Yeah, so basically what I was saying originally was like the idea of when you approach a game, like mm -hmm. now that you've had experience of running and playing in other games, do you have like a set way that you approach it? Like this is this is my style, this is what I'm gonna do. I have my tools, I have my you know, my way of doing things, or do I, you know, look at the book and go, okay, the book wants me to run it this kind of way, and I'm going to adapt my, what I like to do to the, what the book is asking me to do, if that makes sense, because there's, there's always a GM section which breaks down how you should run this game. Yeah. But once you've played a few, once you've run a few games, you kind of start developing your own style. Yeah. Um, it is, I think, entirely dependent on the game in question, uh, because I... Uh, like my instinct is to start from okay, they've made this game, they have ideas on how it goes, and um, hopefully, best practices <laughs> are included yeah. in the book, and uh, it's sort of ideas and and like explicit intent. So I go looking for those uh, with any game that I have, and uh, uh, well, the unfortunate reality is that. As you say, there's a lot of GM sections, and I think a lot of those are unfortunately entirely lacking in any yeah. kind of useful information this when it comes my, to running the game. <laughs> this is my kind uh, of follow-up thing that, for me, like when I started out, like I watched loads of videos, I listened to podcasts, I, you know, I played in games, and I tried. To, what I tried to do is, I I'm going to try and distill like the way to run the game like i was like i'm going to figure out the way to run the game and then i can run, and then i can apply that to every game i come across because that's mm -hmm. the efficient way that's the that's like the time like time like a manageable way of doing it you know figure out how to do it then any game i run i'm sorted mm -hmm. however <laughs> i discovered that that philosophy does not lend itself to the hobby in some instances if you stick with one game Yes, you could definitely do that. Mm -hmm. But if you want to, if you want to enjoy the breadth of the hobby, you have to be flexible. So now yeah. I'm, I develop a kind of a tool set approach where I have this thing I need to do. I've got these these things I've learned before of how to deal with it. But let's see what else is out there. Do what listening to that, I'm just imagining like Matthew in a uh, in like a TV commercial, being like the essence of role play. Yeah, because <laughs> I've read a lot of GM sections and and like. Yeah. The great Skylord here said, like, some of them really good. 
and that's a whole I could do a whole podcast on like red GM sections for books. Mm-hmm. We should join at one point. Yeah, um, I hope that. But you know, some of them don't really they don't almost sell the game. They just they just kinda of give you very kind of like, well, you know, talk to your players. I mean yeah, and and that is like that is something that is kind of uh, I think um maligned a little bit like that oh yeah it's so reductive everything boils down to talk to your players uh, i yeah. find that that is kind of because it's so it is good advice it, it is it is yeah. true uh, that's it is why it's peddled a lot uh, because you uh, well this is just me talking from my personal perspective and you know preferences as always everyone is <laughs> usually yep. uh because uh, well anyway um i absolutely cannot see myself playing a lot of extensive campaigns or like sequential or like short campaigns uh, or just regularly in general uh, with folks who would need constant talking to uh, when it comes to like actual you know bigger problems um, now with the with the folks that we've been playing for years now uh, we tend to talk just in general like just chit chat anyway um, I guess what I'm I'm referring to here is that uh, there our spheres tend to be like friend groups and uh, there's already like established rapport um, people know each other uh, and Still, uh, we talk about different... Well, we've been talking today uh, as we record this. We've been talking about uh, issues that we've run into and things that we sorted out by, you know, reflecting and talking about stuff. (laughs) And then we continue to talk about them now here after they've happened and those talks have have been had. So I think, like, talking to uh, your, your fellow gamers... Uh, is very much like the top piece of advice. That's where you start, and then you get down to the nitty gritty of whatever else it is. But as far as like GM sections go, I think um, there's depending on the game. Uh, I find a lot of them miss the the point that I go there to look for, uh, which is like the best practices and the idea behind why something is in the game and how you would best be able to leverage that and what sort of outcomes we're trying to look for. And I think um, with a lot of games, the um, maybe it's an issue of like design by committee because then you have a lot of people involved. But um, a lot of games tend to be very shy about saying, like, this is the idea that we had. Uh, which I find to be silly because it, obviously you had an idea <laughs> like this. That's why the game exists now, and that's why you made certain choices um, of materials and mechanics, and uh, not coming out and spelling it out. Like the thought process, I find would be the thing that I go there to look for. Like, why did you make this game the way that it is? Let me know, and then that will help me to use these pieces that I've now arrayed here before myself. And uh, uh, a lot of the games don't do that. And that's fine. That's fine. Uh, Like I can find my way there eventually, but that's what I would ideally find in most games. And uh, this is, I think, uh, also probably a a kind of a, a sort of sliding topic between like, is it 
big publishing, maybe, okay, they will be more reticent about saying, like, giving you direct advice, because they want to, to my mind, anyway, they want to pretend that you could do anything and... uh, Yeah, they want to appeal to as big a market as possible. Yeah, Yeah, they don't want to put their foot down and say, this is the big honking thing that we want this game to do, because they want to give you the option of... Like, they, they want to not explicitly say what it is, so they yeah, uh, a lot of people feel more comfortable doing something that may not be exactly that, which they could do yeah. anyway. But you know, that's it's like uh, when they say this game's high <laughs> fantasy. But what does that mean for your game? What yeah. is that? What, what do you mean by that here? Is is high fantasy to you? Does it involve anything to do with space? Yeah. Um, is that a limit? Like how far out the mm-hmm. atmosphere can we go? Like is the moon something we can go to? Is that sci-fi already? Like where's does it about, mean? Yeah. the players are movers and shakers in this world. At, at the beginning, or not? Like, if that's the case, because high fantasy yeah. tends to be of a higher, like, like threat level just off the bat. I mean, to, to, to reflect on some of the stuff that Johannes was saying there, um, one of the things that I, I like, and I know that Johannes likes about Burning Wheel, is that the author's very clear in his sort of authorial aside, for want of a bad term, like, I, I've done this this way because it worked for my group and my group liked it. So the the sort of the intent of the author is very much there and sort of front and center. And it's also one of the things that attracted me to easy D six that I'm using now, because again, it has that little box out from the author where he's sort of talking about these thought processes behind various facets of the game. It's also one of the reasons why I like, I enjoy having such a variety of like OSR stuff because most of the, not all, but, a lot of the D&D sort of retro clones and stuff like that, they normally come about because someone looks at basic D&D and they're like, I 90% like it, but like, it'd be cooler if they could focus on this particular bit that I like a bit more. Yeah. And so they, they make their own version and they focus on that, whether it's like the, the summoning rules in like Lamentations of the Flame Princess or Dungeon Exploration rules or whatever. And I always find that in those games, because the the person who made them is so interested in like that particular bit, they always sort of tend to point out like why that particular bit of the game that they've added mm-hmm. or that they've accentuated is cool because that's what spurred them to create their mm-hmm. own version of the game. Whereas, like I say, it's you can dig through and go, oh, I think the author's doing this because of this, but I I vastly prefer it when an author's like yeah, I've done this rule because of X, Y, and Z. And then mm-hmm. if I'm like, I don't like that rule, I can still go, yeah, but at least I understand why they've done it rather than just sort of having to guess why they've done it. Yeah, and I, I find just in general, I find it to be enlightening and entertaining. Like I, I want to learn about why someone made something in a game like it is. Because that will, well, I suppose... It's another one of those things, like, down the line, yeah, I guess I would like to publish something on my own. Um, I like as a very distant uh, idea, but uh, I, I, I just find it fun to learn about why someone designed a game a specific way. And aside from it being fun, it'll just help me do it <laughs> because I know what they wanted to go for so I can, uh, I can do my best to... Uh, uh, use the tools that I've been given, uh, and, and of course, the, it uh, works for you in your the, game or not. The asterisk with with everything that I'm talking about is I am one thousand percent of the opinion that if you buy a game book, 
it's just a book. Like at the end of the day, like so the, what's the book going to do to you if you just skip a portion of it and not use it? Like that's fine. Well, that's it for this episode. We hope you've enjoyed this conversation that we've been having about various aspects of the TTRPG hobby. And then maybe you'll join us next time for further conversations, hints, tips, and stuff like that. If you'd like to get involved in the conversation, you can get in touch with us a number of different ways. You can drop us a message on Anchor. You can leave us a message on SpeakPipe. There'll be links in the description down below. Or you can send us an email to rddrpgpodcast at gmail.com. So until we see you again, take care, stay safe, and whatever you're playing, have fun. <laughs>